what am I tolerating? Like, what's not, what's not what I say I want? And look around the different domains of your life, might be relationships, might be work, might be yourself, might be your you know, fitness level. Anyway, there's like lots of places to go look and it, it, it won't kill you to look. It won't kill you to look. You've probably been avoiding it for certain reasons. Maybe you don't think you're up for it. Maybe you might feel ashamed if you actually saw what it was. But just that's my invite to you is like have this conversation with yourself because we're inviting you to be surprised with what you're capable of. What are you tolerating in life right now? What is standing between you and what you say you want? Hello, my friends. My name is Chad. This is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. This week, Adrian, Dan, and I sit down to chat about tolerations. We dive into the culture of the UFC and what makes it a unique experience for both its team and the fans. We also talk about when toleration is effective and when it's not for the vision. Let's dive in. All right. Here we are once again, gentlemen. It's so good to be with you. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to be with. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, this 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 conversation, I've been excited to, to tackle this conversation. Uh, it's been on my mind a lot. We have mentioned it many, many times, this topic. We've mentioned many, many times on the podcast, so people will be very familiar we mentioned tolerations. What we what we have is what we either create or tolerate. And I wanted to have a conversation just about tolerating. And in hopes to get people that are listening and even myself to be thinking about, I'm constantly trying to think about what am I tolerating in my life? It's like this inventory of like, what am I tolerating both on our team? What am I tolerating in my marriage? What am I tolerating in my family, my community? And that's each time I do that inventory, so much opens up for me. Conversations I didn't even know I needed to have come up for me. And once you get clear, it it realigns my life with my aim. So uh, to start the conversation, I pulled out a clip. I was listening to this podcast this morning, actually, during my workout. This popped up knowing that this conversation was going to be had. And I was like, this is perfect kind of context for um, for what we're going to talk about. This is a conversation between Theo Vaughn, the comedian. He has a he has a podcast called This Past Weekend. It's a very fun podcast. Uh, I really like it. One of my favorite episodes he had was he had a coroner on, and Theo's just so, he's so bumpkin. At least that's what he acts out. So he just comes up with the best questions to <laughs> Dumb ask. like a fox. Dumb like a fox. Oh, yeah. That's exactly right. That's a perfect way to describe him. And he's he's in this interview he's talking with Dana White, who is the president of UFC and who's just taken done an, a brilliant job at growing UFC Pioneer. into a behemoth um uh, of profit. And uh, anyway, so I'm gonna play this clip and then we'll talk about the the tolerations. Uh-oh. No volume. Here we go. Unfucking believable people. When I said we're fucking storming the beach, we're going. <laughs> Definitely, dude. Nobody Bro, fucking said no. There is no experience, man. When I go to the UFC fights, it's like 
the whether it's the assistants or your directors or um the guys who are opening the cage door you look over and there's like some hero years there's david spade or there's mel gibson or there's joe burrow it's like you have all of just like and it just feels like you're in this fun fucking family that's a little bit mentally unhinged right <laughs> i'm not gonna say that they, okay yeah, we'll no, you're say, not wrong. Yeah, this family, <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah, this family's had some fucking domestic disputes. All right. But <laughs> they uh but it just dude, it feels so much fun. When I leave the event, I miss that I miss the people that you work with just as much as I miss the action. That's awesome. I, I, I love hearing that. And and thank you. And it's and you're special. not the first one to tell me that. Everybody tells me that. Anybody who interacts with anyone on my team, and, and everybody here is is smart hardworking, the best at what they do. And there's no, none of that bullshit, you know, at the office where there's all this backstabbing and fucking all this bullshit, those type of people we get rid of immediately. Yeah. You, you, you don't last here being that kind of a person. This is a team. This is a family. And, uh, we, we throw parties here. all. So that's the, that's the meat of what I wanted to play. And, um, as I was listening to that, it was so clear to me that Dana is so clear and committed to what he is building, the culture that he has, that there are things that are absolutely not tolerated. Yeah. yeah I, was want, thinking, I wish I would wish I would have taken notes. He mentioned like three things. Best in the world at what they do. What did he say? You remember? Really smart. Really Best smart. Best at what they do. Yeah. yeah. Maybe there was and then one. he said anyway. they don't tolerate any, any of the backbiting, the bullshit, any of that yep. sort of stuff. Yeah, I was so unapologetic about it. Like, that's just how we roll. This is it. You don't last if you're not like this. And he's like, it's so, his nonchalantness about it told me how much it just is who he is. You know, at least that's what I make up about it. It's like, oh, this is just it. Like, it's, I'm not, I'm not playing any games. You're, you've got to be really smart to work here and you got to be the best at what you do. And then essentially yeah. his other point, which was kind of the converse is you got to be, committed to being honest and, and straightforward and forthright and solve problems and whatever. Cause he, he, he said, what doesn't work, but what does work around that is, you know, you're a solution minded person and you see other people as a possibility of solving issues. And that's just like, it is like, it's like the gravity, you know, it's, there's something I remember putting together that talk for uh ironclad a long time ago. And I, uh, my, one of my, the closing point of that talk was, that every individual is a culture like that Dana, Dana White is a set of conversations as a person. And you heard him say them. Um, and it was just so clear and seems so authentic for him. Why? Cause that's the culture that he is. And then he's decided that that's the culture they will be. Yeah. And that just is, it's just the gravity around Dana. It's, yeah. The word for that is ethos. That's right his on. ethos. And then you put them together with other ethos, and it creates that culture. But they all they have that as a fundamental yeah. reality. It's interesting the word tolerate because there are certain things you do tolerate in the name of the vision, in the name of the per the aim. And there are certain things you don't tolerate. You just don't mm -hmm. put up with them because part of tolerate the word tolerate is to forbear, to learn from. And he's so clear about tolerating that and what the result would be that he's like no way this is one thing we don't tolerate because he's so connected to what that does to a team and mm -hmm. what it can do to the culture so why would i tolerate that in fact that's the, that's one of the things i don't tolerate 
Whereas he may tolerate somebody like, um, what's the Irish guy's name? Uh, Ian McGregor. You know, he'll tolerate working with him because of the benefit and also what it brings to the game, right? And and so there's certain things you know you're going to tolerate because they're valuable and they're going to, and working through them is worth it. You learn and contribute to the vision. Then there's certain things you don't tolerate because they're just going to destroy the basis, the foundation on which you've built everything. So, and being clear about that, now that, that takes some, takes some courage, some humility, and then uh, to stand on it is a whole other deal. And he definitely stands. It's interesting you put that up because last night, the last dream I had at night was I was in this, I was in a room with Dana White and a bunch of UFC fighters. They kept thinking, what am I doing here? And I did something that fucked up things and he was on me about something. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to listen to really closely because he doesn't get pissed off unless there's something I probably need to learn. And I'm thinking, I kept thinking, I'm not a fighter. I'm 68 years old. What am I doing here? And then I woke up. But I remember like all years. Okay, Dana, tell me what you see. <laughs> and then you played this. It was great. <laughs> the so, dreams that Dan Takini has. That's amazing. Dan, you were great. That was the last Dan, dream I had last night when I woke up this morning. Dan, you were the Vaseline guy, I think. <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. Vaseline. He was pissed at me about something, but I was all ears. Go ahead, tell me. <laughs> Dan, what I hear you saying is so interesting to me is toleration. I mean, we're not adding a value to toleration. We're not saying tolerating is good. We're not saying tolerating is bad. We're saying how aware are you of what you're tolerating and is that to plan? Yeah, is that bringing you the possibilities you're committed to because you're there's certainly, I mean, I, I know there are certain things I would tolerate with my children in order to A, learn how to get with them and B, yeah. how to teach them what is going to work for them. And there are certain things I didn't tolerate from them, right? And I mean, one of them was we would go to dinner and if they're acting up, I would embarrass. I tell them, if you keep that up, I'm going to embarrass you. And I had a, I had a higher tolerance for embarrassment than they did. So they'd straighten right up. They're <laughs> just like, don't do it, Dad. Don't, what would you do? Oh, I'd dance. I'd stand up, make a scene, you know, embarrass them, you know. And, and so they was like, okay, okay, I'll eat that. Or I won't yeah, talk so loud. Or yeah. I'll stop picking yeah. on my sister or my brother. That kind mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I never yeah, had yeah. problems with them in public because I was worse in public than they were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was funny. I was just talking with a client today about victim mindset type stuff. Uh, and whining and I and I and uh I was telling him if you go and ask my kids what's dad allergic to you know they wouldn't say what, the, what foods I'm allergic to or blah 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 anything like that they just know because I've said it to them probably a hundred times I'm allergic to whining so I hear you whining I can't I, I I don't I can't handle that so why don't you get yourself straight I can help you get yourself straight I can help you solve your problem you want to make a request that's awesome I just don't do whining and bickering. Like they were like, you know, at each other, just like, you know, they're shitty, shitty mood. They were hungry and tired and whatever. It's just cool. It's like, why don't we just not do that? Why don't you either like keep your mouth shut or just saying pointless things that are derogatory towards the other person? Cause I'll, if they're grumpy in public and whining in public, I will, I will either tickle them, which is going to be loud, or I'm going to get up and dance. I'm going to do something silly. I'm going to like, you know, that's my, my, my son's nightmare is when dad is dancing in a restaurant, but it's fun. 
but it's like anyway it's it's interesting it's interesting what we decide you know to tolerate you brought up a point immediately after we listened to the clip which i thought was uh worth pushing into which was for you the experience and i had the same experience listening to dana talk about this is it was like it was no thing it was just like it's not even a question like you're not with us you're out yep and this kind of conversation is both of you know and 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 I know very well being in a lot of these intimate conversations with leaders that's a very uncomfortable can be a very uncomfortable conversation for some of them and I wonder what's missing for them and I think it'd be great to just have a conversation or what's missing in the conversation or in their leadership that makes that a very uncomfortable conversation to have like if you're not with us you're (laughs) you're out yeah. Well, I mean, my a handful of first thoughts for me is if I am committed to self-mastery, then asking people to master themselves is no big deal. And I, I think for people, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the people we work with, really brilliant, really committed to getting something done, um, and just don't want to jump into the interpersonal dynamic because they're not as good, quote unquote, as good at that. And so they're good at like solving a problem or doing the thing or whatever. Um, but as soon as they, uh, I see the shift, as soon as they get really clear and really introspective with the purpose of self-mastery, that it's a big opening because now I'm not asking them to do something I'm not doing. I'm actually, I'm continuing to discipline myself for the sake of the future that I want and the own ex- my own experience that I want. And so then asking them to do what I'm doing is just so much easier. I think the resistance comes whenever they're not in an active conversation with themselves from a, from a vibrant place. You know, they can be hard on themselves and everybody we work with, including the guy talking can be really hard on myself, like a shame conversation. I shouldn't be this way. What's wrong with me? Blah, blah, blah. It, but if they're in a, in a vibrant conversation with themselves, like tons of self-acceptance and I'm going to drive and, and continue to evolve for the rest of my life. So I'm going to ask you to do that. And cause this is what, if you're around me, this is what we're doing. And if you don't want to do that, no problem. But you don't get, we're not hanging with me because we're two very different games. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Now that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate what's effective and what's ineffective, what your strengths are and what your blind spots are? It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. 
Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. So that, that's the first thing that comes to mind is, is people who are committed to something inside themselves, I think are naturally can, are just so conversant because, you know, maybe, sorry if I'm belaboring a long point here, but you know, the, the, I just posted last night, I just got this brand new t-shirt that says I'm not for everyone. Um, and the, the amount of responses I've gotten from that post has been crazy. Just vibrancy. People that said, oh, I need to buy that. Please show me, you know, where that shirt is. And that was such an invigorating realization for me. You know, I don't know, yeah. probably seven years ago or whatever. It was when I went through like a really dark time and I'd been a mess and drinking like crazy and, you know, adulterous. And I was just, it came out of my really dark time and then reinvented myself. And most people had left. Um, and I'd earned them leaving. You know, I wasn't surprised that they had left. Um, but yet now in a whole new place of taking full responsibility for all the dark side and all that I'd done, it, it gave me so much more uh, freedom to just, okay, this is who I am. And actually, this is who I am, period. And you can like that. Or if you don't like that, that's cool. If you do like that, like I, after you lose everything, I don't mind losing shit all the time. Like when people walk away from me now, if they do, no big deal. Yeah. No big deal. I'm cool. Um, and so I guess my connection point to that is like, um, that there are, if you're always, if you're in a consistent conversation with yourself about who you're committed to being, then asking other people to be in that conversation is so much more free and easy. And, you know, anyway, that's the first, that's a seven minute answer to kind of what I think about that. Yeah. I know it's true for me. Later in that conversation, he also talks about the aim. That he always knows where they're going. Yep. Always. Yeah. Theo asks him this, this question about um, I can't believe, I can't remember the question exactly that that he asked him, but it led uh, Dana to talk about. It was kind of a foreign experience to Dana. It was like no, I. It was like Theo was like, "Did you ever find yourself complacent or like it was in the context of being proud of yourself or whatever?" And and Dana was like, "No, I I I don't understand that. That's foreign to me. I always know where I'm going. There's always somewhere that I'm headed." And it's, you know, it's what is next. Well, you know, that's true for everybody. We just make up stories that are otherwise. (laughs) Biologically, we always know where we're going, you know. And oftentimes, if you're not willing to admit it, you find out somewhere down the road, oh, that's where I'm headed. Reality shows you. (laughs) Like, oh, (laughs) here's here's what you were unwilling to tell the truth about to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think for me, my personal experience is that when I'm when I'm clear about where I'm going, uh, I don't tolerate as much. Meaning, the t- I don't tolerate as much that's not gonna that's gonna be against me getting there. Yeah, because that clarity is there, and I'm committed, and I'm reminding myself of it. And then you know, there's a lot of non-negotiables on the on the table. And to me, what you pointed out, Adrian, in his clarity. Yeah. And his non, I mean, just like not a big deal is just like, no, that's not happening because I know where we're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it won't work. Yep. Is it that, that, that whole thing with AIM, you know, it just, 
you get a lot clearer about if you're clear about the aim, then you're clear about what's going to work and not work. You're clear about what you don't want to get engaged in. You don't want to you don't want to sidetrack yourself. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, this whole t when you when uh, this topic of toleration came up, I uh, thought about you know on the, when people sign up to work with us, they all fill out this intro form thing. And there's a section right. of it that's always fascinating. It's it's we call yeah. it a toleration list, which yeah. is which is to just look around your life. It could be things that are big or it could be things that are just simple. And and what are you tolerating? And then here's the interesting thing about the exercise is like, what am I tolerating? It could be, you know, uh, a dog needs to get a haircut or, you know, I need to, anyway, something so simple and weird like that, or it could be something massive. But then it asks you to get clear on what's the emotion around that. And most, I, th I think a lot of us, I know me, I, I can, I can live in stress with just call it quote unquote stress because I'm not connected to the experience that I tolerate in my life. Like that this thing isn't working and it's got some kind of detrimental thing, but it's not like just happening. I actually have an experience of it and I actually carry around five, 10, a hundred things in my life that aren't working. And I, and, and uh, until I do, I haven't given myself the space to like, okay, hold on. What, what is this? What is the psychic effect of this on my life? And once you get clear on that, it's funny when people fill out this list, they go solve shit right away. The door handle that needs to be fixed or the thing that they're planning vacation for next year or whatever. It's like, you just get into action whenever I actually own the shitty experience that comes with that, which I'm tolerating. Yeah. I actually use that section quite a bit in the coaching relationship because mm -hmm. after we get a couple weeks in or a month or two in, I go back and look at it and notice what they're tolerating and then bring them back to it because it's it, if they're tolerating it, their aim is shifted from what they said that really matters to them because mm -hmm. they put the tolerations there because they see that they're in the way of what they really want. Mm -hmm. So it's always, it, it helps kind of spark the conversation, but it, it is valuable because even in, you know, like when you're journaling, you can see what you're tolerating. Or sure. if you sit down and go, "What the fuck? Why am I doing this, sir? Why did I get in that conversation? Or why did I accept this request?" Or, you mm -hmm. know, what am I doing? Yeah. Well, I think for all of us, at some point, like or at some different level, we have this kind of practice of resignation in our lives. That right it on. is what it is. It's just going to be this way. It's part of blah blah blah. Like kind of like sing the song, and. If I get clear on it and then I just ask myself, like, what's what it needed to shift this thing from where it is today to where I want it to go? It's actually usually the answers are quite simple. It's quite, quite, I mean, I would say most, m not all, but a majority at least uh, are like, it takes seconds to change it. Because it yeah, could be a simple, yeah, like, here's a text message. Let me just text that person this one thing. Let me ask this person to do this. Let me set aside my schedule next Tuesday to plan the vacation. And it's like, it literally takes seconds to shift a huge part of your existence in life. And that's, what's shocking to people. No, yeah. shocking to me. It's like, wow, I feel so much better after I did that one simple thing that literally took me five seconds to do, but I've been thinking about yep. it for five months. So yeah. if I get, I guess my, my point is if I get it out of this, like, this is just the way life is. It just has to be this way and all this kind of doldrums and actually honor 
um, honor my agency in my own life that I can shift anything that's here for the most part. Um, it, it just gives you, us the vitality we're all searching for. Yeah, if you think about it, that language is defeat. That's it is. the way life is, right? Mm -hmm. So if I can challenge the defeat that I've accepted it up to that moment, then I can reopen the possibility. But i got to hear the defeat. i got to catch it in my language, right? Mm -hmm. so, I was just going to give a warning to those who are wanting to live this way. It is disruptive. Yeah. It, disrupting what, yeah. though? What is it's disruptive? It's disruptive of the uh, everyday already listening that already always listening that goes on that I say I find myself complaining about my life isn't as alive as vibrant it is and then a commitment comes along and it disrupts my comfort that I think there's something wrong right that's right it disrupts my comfort that's exactly what I was thinking it disrupts this low this low level despair, um, despair that you've been willing to live in it disrupts that and your body and your mind want to preserve the energy yeah. They want to preserve the energy that it's going to take to to handle the disruption. Well, it's interesting. You, we had this conversation in the ICON last week uh, in, in Italy. We, we, we just completed that. But one of the more potent conversations that really gave rise to insight and connection was this conversation about uh, resignation and, and despair. Like, you know, that level of despair we find tolerable. We call it happiness. That mm -hmm. We got into that, and it was interesting what it flushed up in the room. It, it just flushed up a ton of insight and possibility when people were willing to acknowledge that despair doesn't have to be this hollowing depression. It can be something as simple as, this is just the way life is, and so therefore I stop standing for something that really matters to me because <laughs> I think somehow life the way it is is going to get in the way, and so... Why bother? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, people got re-energized. That was uh, it was a, it was a, it was like one of those sessions where you didn't. We just started talking about it, and pretty soon it just kept growing, and it brought a lot to the surface for everybody in the room. Yeah, so. it's 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 it was a testimony or a testament to the power of language. Yeah, you know, I always just think I I for me the metaphor is always like that language is gives handles to experience, right? So once I can describe something, I can grab it and hold it, and then I can move it if I want to move it or shift it, whatever. And you know, one of the heavyweights in the room, he really connected with it, and then he, you know, it, it cried. He was thinking, yeah. talking about his family, talking about his kids, and he's like the of the room. He's probably the most stoic guy, the kind of the most, he's the heavyweight. Like he's very experienced, you know, very successful. Very successful. He, he broke, um, around because he needed, once we talked about despair, he's like, that's what I'm feeling. That's it. Like he knew it. And then he was free from it. You know, it's like it, it, he could dance with it and it pulled up to the surface, all the meaning that actually, um, like despair being the shadow of not getting or not having what he wanted. And it, yeah. when it came to family and, and that generated a whole bunch of conversations and all these like high end business people, we spent, you know, hours talking about our relationships with our significant others or our children or whatever and our legacy really. And, um, so like speaking, giving language to what we're tolerating or what uh, our, the dark side is actually usually makes the light even brighter and like moves Look. us towards it like oh wow that's it okay good now i've now i now i can see many more possibilities of how i can 
take a stand and try something else new. Like maybe I can get both. Like that's what happened for him. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, I, I compare this when I'm talking with my clients, I compare it to the, the, uh, fire alarm that's has low battery. Mm. Oh yeah. Beep, beep. The first time you hear that beep, it's like, what the fuck is that? Like, I got to take care of that, blah, blah, blah. But I don't have a ladder right now. And I don't have, you know, all the middle of something. And then there's a good, what, minute and a half before it beeps again. Right. So you go back a minute and a half, you get out back into everything. And then all of a sudden it hits again. And then over time, you can just let that sucker go because really it's only, I mean, it's like only every a minute and a half and I'm really busy and, 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 you know, it, and then it, and then you go and change the, the battery in it, whatever it's 24 hours later, 72 hours later, whatever. And you're thinking, why in the hell didn't I do that sooner? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I heard side- a, a podcast and it was going off in his podcast. Poor <laughs> 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 guy. But it's that that happens that happens for me in life. And when I, it's exactly what we're talking about. It's a metaphor for what we're talking about. Is I can tolerate it. It is like this low hum in my life. And, uh, and then it just is, it's, it's such, I make up it so much energy to, to get it straight. And then when I do, it was worth every, every bit of it spent. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So that if, you're li- great. if you're listening, you know, wonder about this with us. Think about, you know, my invite to you is just think about what am I tolerating? Like, what's not, what's not what I say I want? And look around the different domains of your life. Might be relationships, might be work, might be yourself, might be your you know fitness level. Anyway, there's like lots of places to go look, and it, it it won't kill you to look. It won't kill you to look. You you will you know, you've probably been avoiding it for certain reasons. Maybe you don't think you're up for it. Maybe you might feel ashamed if you actually saw what it was. But just that's my invite to you is like have this conversation with yourself. And because uh, uh, we're inviting you like, to be surprised with what you're capable of, but you got to get, yeah. you know, mo- we talk about this all the time with, with teams, people love talking about the future because it's like enticing and romantic and it's inspiring or whatever. Um, the work for most of the people we're working with is to get a real sober view of current reality. That's the harder part. Harder yeah. for meaning what they want to resist is like, let's not get really crystal clear about current reality that, um, because it might show that the journey between where I am today and where I want to go is maybe longer, maybe further, maybe sacrifice more. And so I'd rather not be clear on how bad quote unquote it might be right now. Um, but if you've got, if you can, you know, buddy up to that, then you, it'll be a huge invitation to show that you've got more capacity, um, and can be much more effective uh, and much more impactful than than what you were doing before. So that's my invite to you: is just buddy up to current reality, whatever's there, um, hey. and just make the list. And notice the conversations that are in place that justify or rationalize it. You, 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 but it, it, you're rationalizing something you really don't want. Just notice mm-hmm. that. that's got to be going on. It might, in some way, you've got a probably a conversation that's making it look like, as Chad said more work than it really is. And if you just were willing to confront that conversation, go through it anyway, take it with you, do it anyway. I'm with Chad. I was relating to so many times ago. Well, that, that was easy. Get one of those little buttons. 
And then when you're done from uh, Office Depot, you can punch it. So that was easy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna add you guys' invitation. You know, we've got the first couple of dates set for Revenants next year. The first one is in February, uh, February 22nd to the 25th in Boise, Idaho. This one is going to pop. If you want to flex this muscle, if you want to work out this muscle that will, you know, this muscle of realizing what you're tolerating that isn't working towards the vision and taking care of it, this is the gym to do it in. Come and work it out. Uh, there, it it is such a, um, <laughs> it's such an experiment of this conversation that we're having, like it, that, like no other. To be in a room with people who are there to do the same thing, man, uh, I, I promise you, you've never experienced anything like it, and it will show you so much about how you operate and how you relate to other people and how you relate to yourself in the things that you're tolerating and how they're standing in the way of what you really want. I think we already have 10 people registered for that already. Oh, yeah. That will fill up. Yep. Looking forward to that. Me too. All right, gentlemen. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody. Thank you.